0: Oh, yeah, like Pete said, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are all right and in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, yet because of, his sh- because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you, Brinton.
1: I wonder how many of of you were able to make it to the 12 hours of prayer last week. We had on the Saturday, we had... From 7 till 7, I think it was 7 to 7, 6 till 6 maybe, um, we had 12 hours of prayer broken up into 30-minute slots and the whole day was taken up, was was, uh, filled up, which was great. So we had prayer going for that whole 12 hours. And I know there was uh, even people praying at home that couldn't make it as well. You might have done that online as well. So how good is it to have prayer just saturating in and through the church? Uh, It's really important. It's interesting. We came Sunday morning and... uh, did the service as normal, but the, uh, I got a lot of comments last Sunday morning. There's a real sense of God's presence here this morning, a real sense of the presence of God this morning. Um, I don't know if you sense that in yourself, but uh, I don't think there's any um, doubt that there's a correlation between what happened on Saturday and what happened on Sunday. I think there's, there's a, a real sense that God was in and, a, and about as we sat down, made space for God. We had the Zoe celebration. They had 10-year celebration on Saturday night as well. And uh, starting from when prayer started to the end of church on Sunday night, God was just doing something great. It was a really good weekend. Go and have. If you didn't get to see it, uh, on, you can go look at it online. It's still online, obviously. Uh, have a look at it. But uh, there is a very direct correlation between the work of God and prayer, isn't there? A the very direct correlation correlation. And you may have sensed that correlation in your own life. That, that when you've prayed fervently, when you've prayed for specifically for something, and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, or you've gone off on a spiritual retreat, you've connected with God in a new way, you've gotten away from your busyness of life, you find that there's more correlation about how you can hear from God. Persistence in prayer might just be a key to unlocking the activity of God in the world that we live. We talked about revival, sung about revival. Prayer began begins revival. So this morning we're going to look at two parables. I know we only heard one. We're going to look at two parables that talk, they talk both about prayer. Very, very similar things. The parable of the friend that comes at midnight... Thanks, friend. And the parable of the unjust judge or the parable of the widow, it's called. So we're going to look at these things. Let me pray as we uh, listen to the word again. Now, God, we pray that as we hear the word this morning, that as we've thought about prayer, that as we consider what it looks like to pray and what you listen to in, in our prayers, we pray, God, that you'll help us to understand that you will give us insight into your word that will unlock something for us to help us connect with you even more. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So the parable that Brenton read to us this morning can also be likened to another parable in Luke chapter 18. If you've got your Bibles you want to flip it open to Luke chapter 18, keep a finger in Luke chapter 11 as well. And we'll read from verses 1 to 8. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. So I've got two parables here. They hit at the very same thought, that God calls us to be persistent in prayer. In Luke 11, the parable of the friend at midnight, and and then this persistent widow, they help us to consider that God wants us to be persistent in our prayer. And I'm going to explore three reasons why in a little while we should continue to be persistent in prayer but before we do we want I want to consider these parables sort of on their own so that help us understand uh, what what they they mean and help us to understand I suppose how we can uh, uh be um praying differently a little bit in in our own lives and also in the church so let's take the friend at midnight in Luke 11 there's this friend he comes along at midnight and he to visit another friend So thanks for that. Maybe he was on a journey and got waylaid somewhere and uh, just didn't quite make it. Solari and I, uh, once we we got our our, our very first um, camper trailer. It was one of the ones where you have to open it right up. It was a big, big thing. It was a big process. But we finally got this camper trailer and we thought, well, let's go camping. So we got the kids out of school and um, thought, just on a whim, we'll go. We we went to Molden, and booked this caravan park. And for some reason, we just got really late. It was getting really late. And so it's cold. It wasn't wet, thankfully. But we rocked up to this caravan park probably about 10.30. 10.30. We've never set this thing up before in our lives. I've never backed a trailer up before in my life. Do you reckon our neighbours in the caravan park were happy to see us? <laughs> 12 o'clock, midnight, this guy comes and visits his friend. Um, maybe he got waylaid. But anyway... Uh, Whatever way it looks like. The friend whose house it is, is surprised. Oh no, there's a visitor at my door at 12 o'clock. He's unprepared. It was custom that visitors will be provided with food and refreshments, regardless of what time they turn up at your house. But this host just wasn't expecting that. He wasn't prepared. In fact, how, how Jesus tells the parable, it sounds like he hasn't got anything to offer at all. So the host now has two choices to make. He says, well, I'm sorry, come on in, but I've got nothing to offer you. That would be an absolute insult to the guest. So the second choice is, come on in, I'm just going out the back quickly. And slips out the back door to his neighbours to ask for some food, which is what he does. Now, Kenneth E. Bailey, who's written a great book around the customs of, of Jesus' time, and it's called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, says that when women baked bread, she would bake enough for the entire week And the people of the village knew who had baked bread most recently. Maybe the smell, maybe. Based on that information, he believes that the third friend whose wife had baked recently uh, was asked for that bread. So he knew the house to go to. The reason that there were three loaves, or asked for three three loaves, this is what Bailey believes, is simply that that he'd be able to give a whole loaf to the guest, which was more than adequate, and then offer a second for a courtesy. Here's the second one for you. The third wife would be for himself, so he could share a meal with his guest as well. So you, could, you can imagine, there's a big ask, isn't it? To have to go to a neighbor's house in the middle of the night and ask for three loaves of bread. It's a big ask. So we get to the third person in this story, um, and, and he and hears a knock on the door. It's his neighbour. And his neighbor's going, Hey mate, can you get me some bread? He's already tucked up in bed. His kids, the door bolts tight. The kids are snuck in a bed as well. And he's sort of, you, know, if you if you've ever had the kids in the bed, it's not, never a comfortable sleep. Um, but they're in, in bed and his friend, he listens and goes, I know he's in need, but really? It's very late. I'm all cuddled up, snuggled up. His friend keeps knocking. I really need this food. Shame is going to come to my family. I know what it's looking like. It's like, I know this isn't good, but I know you've got some bread. And it's not nice to have to get up at twelve o'clock, is it? That's the last thing you feel like doing. Middle of the night, get up out of bed, um, but but he still does it. He tries to put the neighbour off. He goes, "Don't don't bother me. I really can't get up and give you anything." Yet the story gives us an indication that a friend doesn't just go away, that there's this persistence. Come on, mate. Come on. We really need you this time. Even though it's midnight, I really need you. I like the reasoning for the friend actually ending up getting out of bed. In Luke 11, verse 8, it says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. I reckon that's a good name for a band. <laughs> shameless audacity. Right. The Greek word for that is anadea. Anadea. It does mean shameless, not wanting to be shamed as such. So he is not wanting to be shamed in front of his guests culturally that he will go and knock on his neighbor's door for however long it would be. The friend didn't want his friend, his, his friend knocking on the door to be shamed in such a way that he would get up and do that. It gives a picture that because of the shame that might come to this man, I'd better, up, I'd better do this. I'd better get up and get the bread. Not because we're mates, but because of the shame. So we have this, this sleepy neighbour getting up, giving him some bread, pestered by a friend in need. In the end, the friend gets all that he needs. Flip over to Luke 18, the parable of this persistent widow. And in the parable of the persistent widow, or the importunate widow, is what um, someone sometimes called, we find a judge who is described as one who neither feared God nor had respect for people. That's in Luke 18.2. We get the picture of this man. is a man unto himself, isn't he? He's that sort of a bloke. He's a lawman, a judge. But it sounds like he just didn't really care about others. He would rather use his authority and his power to help himself. In a world that needed people to look out for the poor and the needy, it sounds like this guy was all about himself. He wasn't concerned for the greater good of society. It was what he could get. In this story, he doesn't show any concern for those who are widows, the poor. And so we have this story of a widow who's being mistreated. Something's not going right, and this widow comes to this judge and says, "Grant me justice from my adversary." And the judge's response it says, "For some time he refused. For some time he refused." So we have a picture of this poor widow who is being mistreated and denied justice. We know just by the fact that she hasn't got a husband, that she's in a bad space in their society. The judge knows she won't have any finances to her name or any influence to put pressure on him to act on her behalf. So he does literally nothing, almost becoming numb to the constant questioning, the constant noise that she's making, assuming that in time she'll just go away. That's what we say to Kyra when the boys start pestering her a bit. (laughs) Just ignore them. That will go away. Tarquin doesn't go away. (laughs) He just loves her so much. (laughs) It's just persistence. But the woman has a different motive uh, for her her incessant pestering. Her situation causes her so much grief that she continues to plead and, and persist in a space of despair. Her situation is, is hopeless. And so she goes back again and again and again and pleads when everything seems lost. And she keeps going. And then one day he finally relents. Like a parent caving into a, a lolly-addicted daughter. Not that I have one. He says, Though I have no fear of God no respect for anyone... Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. This woman's persistence wore this unjust judge down to the extent that he granted her what she wanted. Let's get a little bit of cultural background here as well. It could help. In an ancient Eastern courtroom, the judge was seated with his sort of associates around him. He was the man of the space men would shout out their appeals into the into the court in the hope that he would hear one but most cases were taken on who had the biggest bribe middle eastern women they don't normally appear in the court so to, for her to be in the first place screaming out as one of these men would was an abnormality the fact that she asked for her case to be heard in a courtroom indicates that there's no man in her family to speak for her she's a widow Maybe she hasn't got, or her sons might be too, too young. So what she does, she makes herself a nuisance in a men's environment. However, Bailey states in his book, he says, men can, men can be mistreated in public, but not women. Women can scream at a public figure and nothing will happen to them. So she knew that she was going to be okay if she continued to be there. So when Jesus wanted to illustrate the need for a persistent, desperate, pleading uh, sort of person, the story of a widow was just the right choice for that society. Perhaps today it might be more of a a single mother who has come to Australia as a refugee. No family to support her or to advocate for her. Three kids that can't speak fluent English. She's never going to have her voice really heard. So we've got this unjust judge having his arm really twisted, I suppose, as the persistence of this woman, this widow, comes through. And he doesn't, she doesn't have a say in this society, but he grants her wish. Two pretty amazing parables that come alongside each other pretty well. But what do they teach us about God and prayer? Some of you might have heard of George Muller. He pioneered much of the orphanage work in England in the 19th century. He was a great man of prayer. When he was young, he began to pray that two of his friends might be converted. He prayed for them every day for more than 60 years. That's perseverance in prayer. One of those men were converted shortly before Muller's death, and the other came to Christ within a year of his death. Continual, persistent prayer that comes from a space of longing, a space of despair, a space of deep want, is prayer that seems to impact the kingdom of God. You know These parables remind us that if an immoral, corrupt judge will finally grant a widow her dues, and a sleepy friend who doesn't want to be bothered in the middle of the night Will fulfill the needs of a persistent neighbor. How much more will a gracious, righteous, loving, caring friend in God supply the needs of the ones that he loves? Jesus explains it further in Luke 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Trying to, trying to figure out why he'd go an egg and a scorpion. I'd, yeah, don't know why I'd say that. <laughs> but obviously, I'd rather hold an egg than a scorpion. I've held both. I've held, I've held a scorpion in my hands, and I've held a snake. And I'd much rather hold a fish and an egg. Much rather hold a fish and an egg. And if Tarquin said, Dad, can you give me something? I'm going to give him an egg over a scorpion. It just... Doesn't almost need any qualification. But Jesus finishes this this section by qualifying what we've learned. He sort of sums it up in in verse 13 of Luke chapter 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Mm. A good, just, Righteous God will give good gifts to those who love him. The end of the passage in Luke 8 is quite similar. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. I get the sense that through these passages, God inclines his ear to the persistent cries of his people. Our prayer needs to be continual. Our prayers need to be persistent. Our prayers need to come from the depth of despair that we have for people or what's going on in your life. The reality of prayer is, like George Muller and the widow and the man at the door is that the answer to prayer wasn't granted on the first go-round. It wasn't immediate. Now, you might have sensed that in your prayer life. You said a prayer and you're like, God, where are you? Why isn't this being answered? God, it's it's a good prayer. I prayed it really well even. I had the right words this time, God. I'm sure we've all had those times where prayer just seems to just Fade away. I'm sure we've been through the process, like Zeta was this morning, of just going, I'm just going to say the prayer. Just do my thing and say the prayer. And there is is benefit in that. There is benefit in routine. And there is benefit in sitting down and praying the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis. I challenge you to do it. Do it. Just just pray it on a daily basis. Think about what we heard this morning. but, But do that. There is benefit. But sometimes... In ourselves, it can become a process. Like praying through a list. I've got my list of people to pray for, so I've ticked that one, I've ticked that one, I've ticked that one. Oops, missed that. yep, tick that one now. I'm, saying that not, I'm not saying that lists aren't important either. But I don't think the message of this par- these parables asking us to consider prayer as just a process to walk through. Rather, it's something that we must fervently and persistently move on as an ongoing petition to God. Sensing an urgency, an importance, a desire to see God actively engage in what we are praying for. Seeing God at work is what we long for. So God seeks us to be persistent in prayer. Taking things to him again and again and again and again. And I want to explore these three reasons why. The first one is because persistence is important. It, dis- it discourages us being flippant and casual in our requests of God. I wonder if you've ever found that your prayer is going through the motions a bit. You might pray each morning and you might have a, a prayer that you sort of use, but you seem disconnected. So many times maybe we just shoot it up as we sort of run out the door, thinking I've got so many more things on my mind, or just run out the door, hey God, uh, thanks for the day, Uh, may it be a good day, that'd be awesome, Uh, yeah, I've got this, 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 this. And it's just a bit flippant. It's not sitting and being in community with our Almighty. We say the words of prayer, but are we immersed with God as we pray? Maybe we pray for people really without considering why we're praying for them. Have you ever said, I'll pray for you, and then forget to pray for them? <laughs> or you might have prayed once, which is really cool. Hey, I remember praying for that person, but never followed them up. Never sort of thought to say, well, hey, how'd that go? Or never pray for them again. We've prayed for things at church or at home, maybe because we've been told that's what we've got to do. But I wonder if we've ever considered taking time to explore Or to reflect on why we're praying for someone. Every time I pray for Rob and Catherine, I almost tear up. Every time. Because my heart just bleeds for them at the moment. Yeah. God hears the cries of the people who just want to see God do something more. We've got to persist in prayer. It allows us to come back again and again and again. We pray for the floods in Victoria. Come back and say, Lord, I don't just want the water to go. I want people to be restored. I want you to, to break into homes that have been un, sort of, sort of so close to you through this space. It's got to be something that it's not just a tick box. but something that we continue to fervently pray for. The second thing that we can pray, uh, why why persistent prayer is important, is it actually purifies our motives for praying. You see, the Pharisees had a problem with this, didn't they? They struggled in this space. They prayed on the street corners, most likely asking for the right things. They probably had the words right. They probably sounded really great. They may have even been theologically or scripturally good in what they did but why they did it was different. Their prayers were not sincere. They were all about being heard by the right people, fulfilling their duties. However, Jesus addresses a crowd in Matthew 6 and reminds them that there is no prayer formula. He says, when you pray, do not be like the the hypocrites who love praying standing in the synagogues or on the street corners. Why do they do it? So that they can be seen by others. Rather, when you pray... Do not keep babbling, for they will not be heard because of their many words. Rather, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Prayer has nothing to do with me. Prayer has all to do with God. Jesus calls us to be sincere and humble when we pray. Prayer isn't about what words we can grab so that it makes us look good. When you're in a group, um, I don't know how how you go with this, but when you're in a group and you're praying and you're feeling a bit nervous because you're not sure if you've got the right words, I want to challenge you, don't worry about the words. Don't even think about the words beforehand. Just be in the moment of prayer. Be in the space of prayer with other people. Don't think, oh, that person's got the prayer thing down really well. I'll just take a few notes. Don't worry about that bit. Just allow God to speak in and through you as you pray. Prayer is about connecting deeper with God. And as we do, we find that our our motives start to connect with with God's heart. And our prayer starts to change. Our prayer starts to transform. We no longer pray for the things that aren't on God's heart. We start to pray in a way that actually connects us with God. The third thing and the final thing is persistent prayer helps us to prioritize the key concerns of our lives. There are things that we sometimes pray for that maybe we just are selfish, that maybe aren't really the things that we, might, we should be praying for. But if we pray in a way that our motives are changed, if we're praying in a way that we're not being flippant, we actually start to prioritise what is important to God. If we desire something that's, that's urgent to us, that's intense for us, that, that we don't want to give up on, These are the things that are going to come to the top in our prayers. When we have deep concerns for loved ones, we're going to continue to come back to God to address them. And God longs to hear those cries the cries for those who are hurting, that we should be crying out for those who need those cries. We should continue to pray for those who are being persecuted. We should continue to pray for those who are unwell and need uh, touch from God. So as we find the deeper desires of our hearts, as we persist in our prayer, those things are going to come to the forefront. When I was young, uh, 16, 16-year-old, 16 17-year-old, I um, was a new Christian. I came across Stephen Curtis Chapman in the, uh, in the 90s. Anyone heard Stephen Curtis Chapman? Yeah. Yeah, a great, great musician, great singer, um, and songwriter. But he had a song that that still sticks with me today, and I love one line of this song. I loved, actually, I love the whole song. Um, <laughs> and it was a song called "Let Us Pray," and in the chorus it said this: "Let us pray everywhere, in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. Let us pray without end, and when we finish, start again, like breathing out and breathing in. Let us pray. I love that. Like breathing out, uh, when we finish, start again." When we finish, start again. I think that's what the parables are trying to say. Just keep praying for those things that break the heart of God. Keep persisting in prayer. Now, God's not the unjust judge. But that tells us a story about persistence in sharing with God the things that are on our heart. I long for us to be a church that engages in prayer, both individually and corporately. And thank you for coming to the 12 Hours of Prayer last week. I'd love for us to to find triplets together, people that you connect with, and say, why don't we meet once a week for a time of prayer? How good would it be for us to be a church that is known for fervently praying persistently to our Lord? We're going to pray now, but I'm, I'm I'm going to leave a couple of minutes of silence, a couple of minutes of space to consider some of the deep points of prayer in your life, areas of deep desire in your life. It may not be your own personal, but it might be someone else. But whatever sits heavy on you, I want you to spend some time and bring it to God. And I don't want you just to do it once now. I don't want you to go onto this long list of things. I just want you to choose one thing, and I want you to pray it again and again, and again. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite the team back up as well. So just find that one thing, one thing that's laying heavy on your heart, bring it to God again and again. So God, hear the the cries of our heart today. Hear our prayers, we ask, Lord. And God, I pray for each of us as we continue to press into prayer, as we persist in prayer. May you show yourself, may you reveal yourself, may you answer us in ways that bring us great hope, in ways that we share stories of the goodness of you. And may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.